ESPN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Markets continue the positives that we saw coming in from the overnight trade, really holding on, except for the spring wheat. Obviously, they had some negative struggles on the trade. Flip the page and... It was negative pretty much all the way across the board. Live cattle feeders and lean hogs. I guess if the only shining side could be that we saw some class three milk prices in the positive territory. But there's a lot of factors that are being put into this week because it's Tuesday, day after tomorrow. By this point, we are going to know what this acreage report has to say. How much is that really weighing in on the markets today, tomorrow? And are we still seeing some fundamentals working? Are we kind of just holding on a pattern for them? That and a lot more we're going to take a look at today as Aaron Bertles joins us. Aaron is with Crossroads Marketing. And Aaron, let's, we got to start out with this report because I think a lot of folks know that Thursday at 11 o'clock, those numbers are going to start uh, coming out from the USDA and we'll get that knee jerk reaction. But leading up to that point, how much pressure before Thursday is it going to play on this market? I think a lot, but I think you've seen, you've already seen, obviously, a big downturn over the last, you know, week and a half in commodities in general. Um, you know, I think the the trade and the funds are, are kind of, you know, demonstrating what they feel like conditions are like right now, despite, you know, what we saw in the conditions report uh, yesterday. You know, those, those ratings are hard to take terribly seriously, um, you know, and even the drop that we've seen still puts it right in line with record crops we've seen in the past. And, you know, so I don't think they're they're weighing into that a whole lot. And I don't think this turnaround really is because of that. Uh, I think things got pretty oversold. And, you know, now we're walking into a report that could go either way. And we have a ton of uh, fundamental information out there that still, you know, makes things difficult to drop prices too far. Right. And you and I talked before this, but you walk into this report, you know, this June 30th stocks report. There's a lot of supply demand reports that we go through that don't mean a whole lot. You know, the, the numbers are already being traded or they just don't care what the numbers are when they do come out. Part of that's because they're out so often and, you know, part of it's just because they don't change that much. Um, but this report, you know, going into summertime, knowing that we don't have another uh, acreage report until the end of September, uh, you know, going into the time where weather's critical, uh, you know, acres in this report really are going to give you a baseline for how important weather is going to be moving forward. How much wiggle room do you have, you know, in uh, in weather and in this crop size? Because um, if you add or take away a million acres of corn, uh, you know, weather becomes either more or less important based on that move. Uh, you know, right now the trade, it looks like, is expecting an increase of about 300,000 acres. But when you think about all the factors this spring, and I'm talking 300,000 acres of corn, you think about all the factors this spring, you had high prices in everything. There was not a lot of commodities that could afford to give up a lot of ground. Um, you know, even though the price of corn in a ratio standpoint to beans was better, you still had very high input costs. You know, people worried about whether they'd be able to get fertilizer later on anyway. Um, you know, Obviously, other factors as well with late planting in a lot of areas, you know, those guys up north, are they really going to take a lot of chances with buying expensive fertilizer later on, putting a corn crop in late, and then just hoping they get to weather to finish it out? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I I think it would be a difficult decision. Uh, But those are the kind of things that these guys are having to weigh as, you know, beyond just the fact that, hey, the corn price is a lot better than the bean price. Well, there's a lot of other factors that went into that this year. 
Well, you, you talk about that, and I know many folks are already talking about input costs as we go into 23. How do you see that being factored in to what we're having happen in the marketplace today, or is it much of a factor at this point? I think it is a factor. I think especially when the prices were at their highest points because the fertilizer question was uh, you know, at its most difficult to answer. And now it seems like some of those things are starting to uh, become a little bit more clear, but it's still a tough question to answer when you're dealing with a war in a place that, you know, you need to get uh, the majority of your fertilizer or the, the person you need to get it from and being Russia. Uh, but, you know, nationally, fertilizer costs have come down a lot. Um, they have shown that they can get it to the places that are, and are willing to get it to the places that need it and want it. Uh, South America has uh, been able to get what they need and, and look like they're in good shape to to have the fertilizer um, available to them for their next year's crop. This administration has shown that that's one of the things that they're not really willing to um, to put on the table for sanctions as far as uh, you know what they're putting against Russia. They want to be able to get farmers here their fertilizer. So that still all depends on Russia being willing to do it, right? Um, so the price right now for 23 corn is still a really good place, especially if fertilizer is available. And if it's uh, if it comes down locally, like it's come down nationally, but I'd say you still have a lot of questions there because we're we're dealing with a uh, you know a war and sanctions and um, you know people who aren't really agreeing with each other at this point. You know, when you when we look at all the different things that have been planted at this point, as you mentioned, obviously the delays we've seen, especially to the north, there's been a lot of Milo slash sorghum discussion happening on on social media. Does that come? As a surprise to you that even markets are talking about this report and talking Milo acres? A little bit, but I think people, you know, like I said, those big questions like fertilizer costs and all those things, it makes it makes something like that look a little bit more feasible, right? And especially when you're dealing in areas that were so dry, um, you know, and, and maybe still are dry, right? Or, or just got a little bit of rain to get them through a certain period of time. And so I think people were trying to figure out, you know, you know, looking past the fact that the price is so high, but how do I make sure that I don't make this into a disaster? How do I make sure that I actually have something to sell at the end of this year? Um, so, yeah, I mean, a little bit of a surprise just in the fact that the price of corn is so high and, you know, doesn't take a whole lot of production to make sure that you are, are you know, getting some profit off of this thing. But it's just tough to go out and spend that kind of money on a crop when you're as dry as you are. Uh, and you have the input costs side of things. Lots to look at. Stick around, folks. We've got more coming up. It's second half just around the corner of the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Building relationships to help you succeed is our goal at Fontenelle Hybrids. Here's Verniel Moritz, a Fontenelle dealer near Windside, Nebraska. When you sit with a customer and figure out what hybrids are going to work the best on their farm, and, and then in harvest time when they come through and perform very, very well, it's, it makes you feel good that you place their products in the right place. For more, contact your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealer or go to Fontenelle.com. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticides. RVN. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Our conversation continues with Aaron Bertels. Aaron, of course, with Crossroads Marketing. We talked a lot on the front half, obviously, of, of input costs in this Thursday's marketing report. But I wanted to ask you a couple of questions in regards to what's going on with this forecast. At what point, or are they starting to really pay attention, the trade, to what's happening with this forecast across the Midwest? Oh, I think they're watching it real close. Um, you know, you've seen it back and forth here. We saw some uh, 
you know, dryness that was expected to creep in, but then it gave way to rains through the Midwest. Um, you know, but I think these next two weeks obviously are very critical. And, you know, like we said with this report, we'll make it even more or less critical. Um, I don't think they're buying anything more than two weeks out. I don't think they're looking at forecasts uh, beyond that point and taking them very seriously. Um, and it may go longer this year, right? Because you're looking at pollination towards the end of July. Typically, we would say the first couple weeks of July is kind of when that market's going to be making the determination. It might be a little later this year just because of when pollination is. Maybe it's the middle of July and they can see that two-week forecast, uh, and that's when they really start to make some choices. But, you know, they've taken the edge off this thing big time. Maybe not from an old crop standpoint, but new crop for sure. I mean, they did some pretty good chart damage last week. They're kind of showing you what side they are uh, um, they're taking in the short term here, and they believe right now that we're going to grow a crop. Um, you know that can change pretty quickly, uh, but you know it, we can easily run this thing back up and not have that belief change, right? And especially if you get a little bit of weather concerns, uh, but you're going to need something beyond that, I think, to take out the highs that we've seen here recently, just with the the action you've seen over the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, that wasn't nearly as likely, in my opinion, a couple of weeks ago when we were up around the $8 level and, you know, hadn't done the damage that we've done now. But we've done some pretty significant damage over the last week. Now that the harvest is pretty much wrapped up in South America, what type of pressure do you see them having on our trade? I think it's significant. I think that, you know, this was something we talked about a long time ago, that that was going to be one big factor, um, you know, from an old crop standpoint that we didn't have last year. I mean, you're you're looking at a significant increase in the amount of grain, uh, corn, that South America is bringing to the table compared to what we saw last year. It was flip-flopped, right? This year, they had trouble with their soybean production. Last year, they had trouble with their second crop corn production. Uh, and so, you know, we didn't see any pressure during this time last year because we needed as many bushels uh, coming to the market as possible uh, to supply the demand that we were seeing that was extra compared to what we normally would have. So, you know, I do think it's significant, but I think in the same sense, you know, this is just a tough time frame in the world uh, with everybody needing things that it, it may not have as big an impact as, as it could have before, um, especially with the war going on. Um, you know, I think another impact too that, that has kind of taken the edge off of this, and especially in wheat, is the expectation of the size of Russia's crop. But, you know, again, you're dealing with somebody who is, you know, in the middle of a war uh, that, you know, has shown they, they like to say things and then not do them. But, you know, their potential is possibly 25% more exports. Um, you would for sure think that those exports could at least go to some of these countries that they're still friendly with right now that would take the edge off of, you know, the world's need to supply all these places. So, you know, any supply other than the stuff that's sitting in Ukraine that, you know, we have no idea if that's going to be able to get out of there or, you know, if they start harvesting this crop, how much of that's just going to go bad or if Russia's just going to take control of it and start uh, moving it around. I mean, that's just a, a big, big uh, wild card. But, you know, getting back to your question on South America, I think it does have an impact. I think that uh, we're looking at a significantly larger amount of, of grain that they're bringing to the table than they did last year. Switch gears here and look at the livestock side. Are we waiting for cash cattle to trade to have an effect on the live cattle and the feeder numbers this week? Uh, yeah, it's possible. I think, though, too, that, uh, I mean, the tough thing there is the financial stuff, right? I mean, 
the markets look pretty good. Um, the charts, I'm sorry, look pretty good. Uh, but you know, if, if you expect a short-term gain in corn here, it's tough to get too friendly on feeder cattle. Uh, it's tough if, if you believe the stock market's going to continue to do these, you know, bounces in a bear market and then sell off like they have today. Uh, it's tough to get too excited about the fat cattle market in the short term, right? So, I think those things are going to have a bigger effect and weigh on the cattle market more than just you know some of the fundamentals of of cattle themselves and. You know, today, like a day like today, I mean, I, I expected feeders to turn over just because of what corn was doing. And, you know, they certainly did. And, and cattle just haven't fared much better. And then you have hogs moving into a seasonal time frame where, um, you know, they're expected to go down and people are just kind of jumping all over that like they did yesterday. All right. Lots of things we looked at today. Aaron, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? You can give me a call at 402-309-3171 or email me at abertles at crossroadsml.com. All right. Aaron Bertles has been joining us today. As always, a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. That is today's Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all their local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.